Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Thank you, Scott, and hello to you. How are your plants doing? If you want to talk about it, simply give us a call, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And then afterwards, we can talk about what is impacting your trees, your perennials, whatever you're calling about, your shrubs, uh, lawn. How about ground covers? Anything that's planted in the outdoors, or we can step inside and have a look at your tropical world. We can talk about routine care and maintenance. And uh, does your houseplants, are your pets doing anything to your houseplants? Like chewing on the leaves or anything? Hmm. Who knows? You can take some cuttings maybe, depending upon the variety. You could try to grow them in a darker, let's say, less lighted circumstance to see if they're going to be able to survive. I'll share my knowledge and help you make a good decision, but the action you're going to take is going to be strictly up to you. And this is your show, and I certainly appreciate you hearing about the plant world from me. Another very important player is Drew. He is here. He produces a show. He answers the phone. He just needs your first name, and then he puts it up on the computer screen. One just popped up. So we still have some phone lines open, though. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, and I can come to your home and check out your plant world for an on-site consultation, walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On my homepage, there's uh, my email address and phone number. Well, let's get strolling. This walk is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. 1911-12th Street. What is that? Well, it's like where Gravoy becomes Tucker The highway flies by, lots of people getting onto the highway there. It's a historic building. It kind of looks like it probably was a gas station way back when. And this is where Soulard starts, a great place to visit for many reasons. Soulard has lots of retail, has lots of seasonal lighting, great architecture of the homes and buildings and things like that, and hugging the Sula, it's called the Soulard Station. On the east side, there's Spirea still holding onto the leaves, though they've lost their color. 
They still haven't dropped the foliage yet. It has a nice texture on the bottom of the windows. Inside, there's all kinds of holiday decor. It waits to be enjoyed on the uh, west side of the building, Rod Iron Fence Gate with lighted garland. There's a bald cypress street tree there. A castle urn sits and waits to be planted next year. There's a bunch of white flags with X's. And I read on the white flags, it says excavation area. Hmm, wonder what they're going to excavate. I don't know. And what's going to happen in that spot? There's the praying mantis metal, metal sculpture. It stands on some limestone boulders. And also there, right in front of, or right behind the, <laughs> the praying mantis sculpture is weeping cypress tree. There's benches and urn, ornamental grasses and arborvitae and a metal fence. Fish? No, fish, not fence. Metal. Well, there is a fence too, but uh, metal fish artwork. There's pots, a bird bath. A sunflower has been painted on one of the doors. Liriope, redbud tree, oak leaf hydrangeas, and much, much more here at the station. Again, 1911 12th Street. And above, a wisp of the moon with that single star. As the light grows lighter and lighter and lighter and brighter, ah, it's nice to see. This time of year is gets dark, dark so early, and then it gets light so late. Our daylight times are so short. So again, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, it's Hanukkah time, and also it's time you can give the Garden Hotline a call, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's start off the day in Kay's yard. Hi, Kay. Good morning. Good morning. Um, first of all, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate that. And I was wondering, because we are in the middle of, of a drought, if I should pour some water on my outside shrubbery and plants, are, are they going to be okay without it? Well, they probably will be okay, but it certainly would not hurt to do the watering. It's just oh, if you okay. have to carry a you know a two gallon bucket to do it all because you've already turned off your outside faucets, then that's a little tough. But if you got the faucets and the hose available, then I would say definitely water. No, I don't have that. I have it unhooked, but I, I might do the buckets on some of them. Right. <laughs> some of them look like they need it. Okay. So any time like today would be fine, I guess, because the water won't freeze. Right, exactly. And it really doesn't matter if it freezes. So because it's going to be liquid when it gets down there, it's just going to freeze, you know, if the temperature was colder once it got down near the root system, and that's not all that problematic. But anything that's evergreen can certainly use the water more than deciduous type things. Oh, okay. I'll put some on there. And then one more question. What At what time in the spring is a good time to start fertilizing the evergreens? 
I mean, uh, is like going too early? Uh, probably sometime after, let's say Valentine's Day, you can do it. Oh, okay, perfect. All right. Well, thank you very much. I got to go get my bucket out. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you have a nice day. Sure. You'll have okay. huge biceps after carrying all the water to your plants. Now let's go over to Barb's yard and see what's going on. Hi, Barb. Hello. Hi. Oh, that's me. Hi, hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I wanted to know how thick the leaves can be left um, on my lawn. And um, that's all I need to know, it, you know, uh, how thick it, it can be. You really shouldn't have any, to be honest oh, with you. Oh, they should all be raked off. Either raked or run all, you know, if you have a availability of a mower, just mowing them. That's what I do. I have a mulching mower. and oh. So that way I don't okay. have to. I do rake some. But for the most part, I do just go back and forth across them. People think I'm crazy because I'm out there and I have a zoysia lawn and it's all brown. And they think, what in the world is that guy cutting? <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for that information. Yeah, because if you don't, depending upon, it doesn't really matter what kind of lawn that you have. It just creates a humid environment. And we've got three or four different kinds of fungus problems that are set up in the with the humid circumstance in the winter, they don't really show up until the weather starts warming up in the spring, but they can be really detrimental. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you for your information. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. And now let's go to Mary Ann's yard. Hi, Mary Ann. Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, our property is surrounded by lots of trees, and this year my husband kind of mulched them up and bagged them, and I would like to spread them on my flower beds. And can I do that now, or should I wait till spring, um, you know, wait till later? They're just all kind of shredded up um, leaves. So they've been cut and everything, so they're just not like oak leaves. Yeah, solid. He, has, he has one of those blower. He has one of those vacuums that sucks them up and ground, you know, kind of grinds them, and oh. so they're they're pretty fine. And we just uh, we just bagged them this year because I was thinking of spreading them, but we didn't want to spread them earlier because the leaves were still coming down. Right. Well, you can you can go ahead and do it. Just uh, if you're putting them on perennials or ground covers or things like that, one to two inches is all you want to do. Um, okay. Well, with all my flower beds, we don't have that many leaves to do more than one or two inches. <laughs> but it's okay to do it now rather than waiting. Yeah, as long as they've been sort of quasi composted, and that by you know shredding them up, and you know that's basically what you're doing. It's not truly, you know, creating a leaf mulch, but it's getting pretty close. Um, okay. Well, thank you very much. That's sure. all I wanted to know. My pleasure. Right. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, when I worked at the Botanical Garden, this is the time of year where things were getting kind of slow. You know, I worked in the English Woodland Garden, but this would be when I would be doing the mulching. 
they what we did then back in those days, I don't know if they still do that or not, but stockpiled all the leaves, you know, that were vacuumed up and uh, let them sit for a little bit. And then uh, I'd take them up a trailer load at a time and mulch the areas throughout with around the woody plant material, three to four inches minimal amount right up next to the trunk or bark or stems or whatever. And then, like I said, around the perennials and ground covers and things along that line, herbaceous type plants, one to two inches. So that's what's very important. Let's take a look at your houseplant circumstance. And we do have phone lines open. So 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Leaf tip burn is not necessarily a disease. What it means, it could be caused by various fungus, bacterias, or a virus. And what this disorder often results from one of the causes, excessive fertilizer application, improper watering, and fluoride toxicity. Members of various plants are a little bit more prone to it. But once a tip of a leaf dies or you know discolors, there's no way for it to return to a normal appearance. So you can cut off that tip if you want. That seems like a lot of work, depending upon what kind of houseplant you have. But preventing it from happening even more, just be practical. First, Fertilize your houseplants according to a recommendation found on the fertilizer package, but whatever it says, only do about half the package uh, rate. So if it says like one tablespoon per gallon of water, then you only want to do a teaspoon per gallon of water. And most houseplants grow very slowly and need relatively little fertilizer compared to outdoor plants and especially during the wintertime. So recommending any kind of fertilizer on houseplants, just make sure that they get adequate light as well. Since the growth has nearly stopped due to the short, dull, (laughs) in other words, short days as far as the amount of time during the wintertime. And uh, don't let uh, your fertilizer, it actually is an alkalinity, all fertilizers for the most part, not all, but many. And it can build up a salt circumstance in your growing potting mix. So just be conscious of that. And then when a, a chance rolls around, you know, to be able to take your houseplant, if it's relatively small, and just run a whole lot of water through the potting mix so you could get the alkalinity out of there. So let's head over to Bill's yard. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Very good. Last year I tried to plant, I'm going to, I've tried planting in the winter in my basement, some coleus, uh, coleus ridiculous. And it never really took, and I'm going to talk to you about what can maybe make it work. Uh, basically you need, it's probably, even if it's in front of a, a sliding glass, uh, door or something like that, it's probably not adequate light. So I would say now you're growing it 
these are plants that you've bought that you're growing. Is that correct? Seeds. Oh, I mean, seed. the, the coolest ridiculous seeds are about the size of a grain of pepper. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you're going to have – it's going to be very difficult. First of all, you need to get a potting mix for starting plant material. You need to get something to give it bottom heat. So a lot of some of the garden centers are going to have those heat mats that you put the, you know, the seed slash tray that you're growing them in. And that's probably the most important thing, except you need grow lights as well. So you need okay. a, a potting mix for starting seed. You need bottom heat, and then you need grow lights. And the grow lights, you that. only want to put about uh, two to three inches above the the surface of the potting mix that you're growing them in. Okay, same thing. I'm doing the coleus ridiculous. I'm also doing just the regular coleus that is green and red. So do the same thing for both? Absolutely. I thank you very much. All right. Good luck. Thanks. Yep. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. With your houseplants, back to them again. Make sure that wherever you put them, that uh, it's not, it hasn't been bad yet, but don't have a circumstance where when the doors from outside are open, even a, just a cold draft while you're coming through the door can do some damage to your houseplant. So just kind of keep that in mind. And don't place them anywhere where the furnace vents are going to blow down on them or where the you have radiators and the heat from the radiator is going to be problematic. And always let them dry out slightly between watering. So that's really important. And this time of year, a lot of the plants that people are getting from the garden centers have the uh, decorative foil wraps. But to prevent getting really a soggy potting mix, puncher puncture some holes in the uh, decorative foil and then place the plant on a, on a, let's say, a saucer. That would be the ideal thing or at least a plate and just water it enough so you can get a little bit of water coming, you know, all the way down through and then out the drainage holes that you've created by puncturing so that's really kind of important. Let's go over now to Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. Hi, Chuck. <laughs> Good morning. How Chuck, are you? are you there? I'm here, yes. Can you hear me? No, I can't. Um, huh. I'll call back. Okay. Let's go now over to Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Hello, Joe. Joe, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Are you there? Okay, yes. Okay. So I'm looking to plant a couple apple trees in my yard uh, this coming spring. Uh-huh. My question is, what tactics would I use as far as, like, do I prepare the ground with lime? or And also, uh, how? what's the best way to protect th- those trees from wildlife, essentially? <laughs> well, physical barrier from wildlife would be the best thing. Even something as simple as, uh, uh, let's say, a couple fence posts with uh, aluminum foil pie pans hanging from them so they bang against the, you know, the the fence post or whatever. And 
what was it? And putting lime in, you don't want to do that unless you know that your soil actually needs it. Okay. So, so you just can't just assume just it does. It. Pardon me? I could just plant it then, essentially, without, and then take steps after as far as, like, fertilizing and whatnot? Right, exactly. Initially, you don't want to necessarily fertilize. Are you going to get uh, plants in pots, or are you going to get bare root? I probably am going to go with the bare root. Okay. So that they're going to be relatively small and realize that it's going to probably be, depending upon the variety of apple, any place between five to to eight or nine years before you're going to get any fruit. Sure. Yeah, I, I kind of knew that. I just looking to plant a lot of them, and I'm trying to sur- make have just have as many survive as possible. So that's that was my question. Okay, great. All right. Thank you. Uh huh. And now let's go back to Chuck's yard. Hi, Chuck. Um, my neighbor has an abundance of pine needles. And I noticed down in Florida, down south, they use pine needles a lot for mulch around their plants. I want to do the same thing here, but I've been told by some folks that that's not a good idea. It is okay as long as the plants that you're putting the pine needles underneath are acid-loving type plants. So you wouldn't want to do it underneath like a lilac or a clematis vine. So just make sure that they like an acidic circumstance, then you should be okay. All right. Thank you. Yep. Uh, Because I actually do the same thing. We've got some, uh, we live across the street from Christie Park, and there's a couple of white pines in there. And I go, and I not only get pine needles, I get pine cones, and I use that for mulch underneath evergreens. So Uh, works very well. Okay. All right. Thanks, Chuck. And now let's go and see what's happening in Dennis's yard. Hi, Dennis. Uh, what's the best way to keep these uh, poinsettias that you're getting given as gifts right now, keep them uh, as long as possible? Uh, basically, just treat them like a regular house plant. Bright light, don't overwater them, and just leave them, kind of leave them alone. Don't do a whole lot of fertilizing or anything else. I guess that question was the watering specifically. So oh. a lot of water or no water or little water, you said? Just, uh, just keep it slightly damp to the touch. Or you can just watch the inside of the pot. And when the, inside, when the potting mix starts shrinking away, you can see a gap between the potting mix and the, the pot that they're in. Then water at that time and then don't water it again. So you're better off to underwater rather than overwater. Very good. Thank you. Yep. My pleasure. 314-436-7900-1800-925-1120. We have phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Barbara's yard. Hi, Barbara. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I've been wanting to call for some time. I have a large hydrangea tree with it's loaded with blossoms. I don't know when to, <clears throat> to trim them. Do I trim the whole limb? Should I trim just the flowers off? Because they're bending the limbs quite steeply. De- yeah, they get pretty heavy. Yeah, just yeah. go. Ahead. You can just cut the spent flowers off. You don't have to really do anything else beyond that. 
Okay, well, this tree is about 12 feet tall, so I'll put the bottom one. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's gorgeous when it's um, blo- blooming. <laughs> right. Wow. <clears throat> Just be real careful if you're going to get up on a ladder. Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they. there's no reason to bring it down. I mean, it's not going to get much genetically much taller than what it currently is. Probably. <clears throat> okay, I understand. And so, I mean, it's truly... It's just been a hydrangea shrub that has been pruned initially in the production nursery to look like a tree. So it's not, you know, there is no real tree hydrangea, but it looks like a tree. (laughs) It's a wannabe. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh, good. Well, good to talk to you, and thank you for taking my call. Sure, my pleasure. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. And Art, how are you today? Yeah, Mike, yeah, I think you're going to like this. How about dating the, the packages of the bird seed that you're going to buy? That would make sense. I thought you might start to agree with that. Right, because, I mean, sometimes it gets a little bit funky, and uh, especially if you buy some of the cheaper stuff, it's the, just the packaging and everything else. You can get some, you know, let's say fungus and mold smells and things like that in it. Yeah. I was just wondering why that stuff doesn't heat up, ferment or something. I know it's in the package, you know, and all that. Right. But uh, I would think it would have a tendency to go that way. You know, I've been wanted, looking at this. Symbiosis, symbiosis, as far as the legumes and the grasses and all that, and the health of the microbes and all that. You know, that's really a wonderful world that is uh, down there in that soil waiting for that compost, you know, to start. And then it's got to really what get out to 160 degrees in the compost pit. Does that get... Anywhere near those temperatures in the rhizomes area, you know, you know. No, it doesn't. No. So when it's mixed in with other things, then that kind of prevents it. And it's only when you get the big piles that the it steam, let's say, steams and you know generates the heat. And that's just all part of the process of you know turning the stuff into usable organic materials. You know, I used to go down there around Schnooks, over there to the park, at the loop down there at uh, Gravel and uh, was it Hand, Handcuff? No, Hamilton or whatever. And I yeah, pick Hamilton. up all the doggone newspapers out of the dumpsters, out of the doggone uh, apartments. They'd be in, you know, bags and so forth, and I take them over to the Boy Scouts and so forth like that. Ah. Uh, but the thing of it is, with the vermiculturists, the people that are grow, growing worms and believe in the dog uh, uh, excrements and so forth, as the humus and all that, I wonder, does that dog on soybean uh, and the print on the... Uh, everything is, you know, the glossy print. I'm just wondering... How healthy that is. I never got around to talking to somebody that was really experienced with that. 
But uh, getting uh, worms to grow in the proper soil is uh, rather difficult, you know. Right, because especially if you have bad soil in the first place, to get them, you know, started in there, that's, you know, is a really long, involved process. So thanks, Art. Greatly appreciate your call. And uh, folks, you still need to be watching your uh, lawns. I mean, don't be a nut like me that's cutting his uh, brown uh, zoysia. Because, again, I'm just doing it to chop the leaves because we live right across the street from a park and we're really getting the migration of leaves up through the park because we're in the northeast corner and the prevailing winds, for the most part, uh, blow out of the southwest towards the northeast and then they just come tumbling up. Thank goodness it's been, you know, humid enough and, you know, there's been enough rain even though the soils have not, you know, have gone through a drought circumstance that a lot of the leaves are still sitting in the park, but uh, ultimately they're going to end up coming up our direction. So all of us that live kind of in that intersection (laughs) really have kind of a nutty circumstance. But thank goodness for the city and because we can get the stuff, you know, a lot of the debris that blows up in our direction is stopped by the curb and then the street sweepers come along. So that helps control some of the leaves that are going to get into your yard. So just kind of keep that in mind. Realize that uh, this is a time of year when, uh, you know, things are going to get slower and slower and slower. But it's nice to know that uh, if you do like to feed the birds, now this year I'm not, historically I've fed the birds, bird seed, uh, on the sidewalks. But I just, this, I'm going to try to get the, let's say, tell the squirrels to not come around because they would just spend all day long eating the bird seed. It was just, it was getting kind of aggravating. So I'm going to, you know, skip this year and see what happens as a result of that. So right now, though, they've just about finished eating all the maple seeds, maple squirts off our sugar maples. It's just been amazing. I've had to sweep the sidewalk, and uh, there's going to be a, a lot that the squirrels didn't eat, but they get they get up there, and they get to the very ends of the branches, I mean, and then start eating the seeds, and then they can't eat it all, so they drop part of it. And sometimes it's just incredible how much they, you know, there's mainly two or three that's kind of live I guess they live in the park and then come over to have lunch or dinner or breakfast uh, on our sugar maples. So that's something that uh, you can be a little bit aggravating. But it, like I said, it just with putting the bird seed down on the sidewalk, they would just stay there all day long and just eat, 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 eat. So anyway, we're going to be taking a break in a second. Three one four. 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. 
Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's head over to Danny's yard. Hi, Danny. Hello, Danny. You're there. Uh, there's Denny. Oh, Denny. Sorry. Hey, hey, Mike. I got a question. I planted two blackberry bushes uh, early September. They they were eight to ten inches high, and they were very uh, leafy. They looked really well. About a month later, I noticed they're gone. They've been ate off all the way down to the dirt. Well, are they going to come back? Yeah, the root system. Since it was you planted them when they were headed towards dormancy anyway, then that shouldn't really be all that problematic. So the roots should still be viable if you planted them correctly. So you should see some new sprouts in the spring. Excellent. I thought about putting some chicken wire around them. I don't know. I got a rabbit problem in the backyard, and it could have been deer to eat the sticks and all, though. Right. Usually, that they usually don't eat the you know any of the things with thorns. But I guess since they were small, they just went yeah. ahead and enjoyed. Well, that makes me happy that I didn't lose them. No, they should be okay. Thanks so much. Yep. And now let's see what's going on in Linda's yard. Hi, Linda. Um, I Since that guy brought up about blackberries, I have a question. My son gave me um, or got me some blackberry plants from his friend, and he said that the blackberries are huge, and I've seen pictures of them, kind of like um, almost like a ping pong ball size. I assume that they're, you know, that they're uh, tame, not wild. But I planted that plant next to two wild ones that I had, and it was the only one that produced last year, but they were normal size. Can can they revert back, get mixed up with the root system of the wild ones, and go back to no. not being changed? No, no, that's not going to happen. What happened? Genetically, <laughs> what? what the, you know, how, why or how these you know, got as large as you're describing, I've never seen them that big. I mean, even when you get them in stores that are grown in professional locations, I don't see them that big. They get uh, kind of long. They sent me a picture of them, and they 
seriously, we're very big. Well, I read the only thing that you really need to fertilize blackberries with is some compost, which we get St. Louis compost, compost. So is that not true? Should I try feeding them something next year to produce? Because, I mean, they were just little, like, and they really didn't produce very much either, and neither did my wild ones. Well, it, weather-wise, that could be a problem, but yeah. anything that's been recently installed, even if it's from a mature colony, takes a little while to acclimate to get a good, adequate root system before it's going to start producing the fruits. Well, I mean, it's not just installed. It was probably installed probably maybe even three years ago or oh, more. Oh, really? Well, it should yeah, be it's, established it's by then. So, yeah, I thought so, too. Yeah, does the foliage and everything look good? Yeah, it does. It looks great, and they bloom, bloom really well. And then on the... Like I say, on the tame one, it did produce berries, but then on the wild ones, they started, the flowers started to turn to the little berries, but they just never grew. Right. This year it, it was... Even, even though I was watering them, like, constantly, you know, I gave them plenty of water, but maybe the hose water just isn't the same as rain. Well, it isn't, but also this year was very difficult for a certain variety of plants, so this was probably the problem. Was yeah. weather related? Whether you were doing additional watering or not, it's just the temperatures and all kinds of other factors. So it's just not rain that's related to weather. Right. Well, the other thing I wanted to ask about too is I get an email from this um, Old World Garden Forms, and they recently had an article in there about uh, fertilizing Christmas cactus with coffee grounds, and I wonder. What you think about that? I give mine just a very light feeding, and it bloomed already. I don't know what kind of cactus it is. It's really healthy, and it bloomed already. The blooms are all gone. But it suggested not using flavored or decaf. You have to use regular coffee. Well, because I guess there's like a chemical process to decaffeinating and flavoring. Right. So it said use regular coffee grounds in February. Do you think, have you ever heard of that or? Well, it's it. I mean, it's going to add a you know. It's it is organic, so that there is. I would recommend using French roast. No. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> but I would say if you want to do that, that's fine. But uh, to me, just uh, fertilizer that's let's say made to be fertilizer seems to work better for house plants than. And then in the an outdoor circumstance. And then I just used a general purpose miracle grow. Should I use something different? I mean, what I do is I probably use, you know, like a quarter teaspoon to, I don't know, a couple cups. It's very light fertilizer. But right. I always give that around, you know, Halloween. Like I, my Christmas cactus is out on a screen porch, basically in the shade all yeah. summer as soon as it gets warm enough. And so I give it just a light feeding. Is that a good? Yeah, that, you sh that should be adequate if you've had good luck with it. And yours is a Thanksgiving cactus versus a Christmas cactus. Probably. Probably. Well, it blooms somewhere in between those two. Right. <laughs> anyway, but I have one more. They're have just, one more. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I have one more circumstance. I called you last year because I got my poinsettia to rebloom, which was probably close to a miracle. But this year, it got some ants in 
in the soil. My friend was watering, and she said she lifted it up, and all these ants were, you know, like down underneath it. So I sprayed the soil and sprayed it a little bit with, um, you know, an insecticidal soap, a commercial one that I bought. Right. And it really kind of adversely affected it. And so now I've got, it's doing fine now, but it's got, you know, some new leaves that are turning red, but it's not going to be very showy at all, just little leaves. But I'm doing the dark, you know, for about 12 hours. But is it okay, because I don't water it very much, is it okay to, like, flush that next year instead of using that insecticidal soap? Try. I've heard of people putting quite a bit of water and trying to flush anything out right. of the soil. Would that kill it because it'd be too much water? Well, you're not going to do it constantly. So, I mean, where they're native to, there's, you know, it's in Mexico, in, you know, Central America and places like that. So they do have circumstances at certain times of the year where there is a lot of rain. So, But if you've got a well-drained soil circumstance, just don't make it so it's going to be soggy for extended periods of time. So once to try to flush it out and maybe try some dishwashing soap or something. But I'm, you know, I'm surprised that what happened with the uh, insecticidal soap is it probably maybe de- I don't want to say it deactivated, but it lost its ability to kill the ant circumstance with yeah. in the potting mix. Yeah, it might have been kind of it's probably a couple of years old. So yeah, I'll try that next year because it really set it back. The leaves started, you know, turning and falling off and stuff. And I'm like, oh great, I killed it. <laughs> It's just kind of the principle of thing at this point, wanting to keep it going. Right. Okay, I'll let other callers get you. I know other people are probably waiting. So thanks a lot, Mike, and Merry Christmas. Sure, same to you. And Brandon, how can you do it kind of quick? Yep. Um, so you were talking about squirrels and birdseed. My uncle had a, uh, he called it a foolproof method to keep the squirrels out of birdseed. He soaked the birdseed in um Tabasco sauce because the capsaicin doesn't impact birds; it just impacts ma- mammals. Wow, I've never heard of that. Well, that's um, that's kind of interesting. <laughs> uh, there's some interesting things going on that, uh, like I said, I'd never really heard of that. So. I mean, lots of people have different ways of keeping birds or the squirrels away from their bird feeders, but uh, Tabasco sauce, wow, we. So anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Jim, we'll get you first as we come out of break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 